Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we do that very thing and watch Blizzard very carefully because they are shifty. How do I know they're shifty? Because they dropped a patch on me out of nowhere while I was on vacation with my wife. Uh, anyway, I'm Matt. I'm the host. This is the Blizzard Watch podcast. We're all very excited. Next week's the week, guys, patch 8.2. Uh, with me is Ann Stickney. Ann, what are you up to right about now? Well, I was wondering when you were going to introduce me. <laughs> no, um, not a whole heck of a lot. Now I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for next week. I I have to admit, I am... Well, no, actually, I'm not surprised. Because the thing is, is like, I was projecting July 2nd, and this is like a week before that. And if I remember right, the first raid comes out like the week after that. So it's like flanking Tuesdays with July 2nd. So I was close. Yeah, it's July 9th for the raid, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I honestly, I didn't expect it this soon. I did expect it fairly soon, like within a month easily, because like, I think I wrote a post about it um, just before I left. They, they put the, the, the PTR had a release candidate on it. And when you get yeah. to a release candidate, it's basically down to, okay, do we see any bugs that keep us from publishing this? Like, can we put, can we put this one out or is there anything stopping us? And if there's nothing stopping them, then they'd put it out. Uh, and that seems to be roughly how it went this time like they put it up on the ptr they tested it for a week didn't see any major bugs and it's going out next week so yeah that's pretty amazing but it's time i'm very happy about it honestly because um i've been kind of dying for some new content i don't get me wrong i'm not bored like crazy bored like i was during some small 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 sections of legion and the majority of warlords of draenor um but i've been kind of jonesing for some new content and nazjatar and 
Mechagon are both shaping up to be really, really cool. Plus, there's the whole war campaign con continuation, and I'm really excited about that, too. So, Yep, yep. There's a lot to do. Uh -huh. We should probably just, let's just skip into it then, straight up, since we just mentioned it already. Uh, like we said, Patch 8.2 is coming next week, uh, June 25th. That's I believe that's six days from now as we're recording. So. Yep. Yeah, next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if you're it. listening to the recorded show on Friday, prepare yourselves, do everything you need to do over the weekend, because once Tuesday hits, it's here. Um, it's, I know we keep talking about like the zones and everything, and those are like major parts of the patch, but there's other stuff that's coming with the patch too. Um, probably one of the biggest things to me is the mount changes that we're looking at where you get to actually like upgrade your mounts with the new system that they're putting in. So like if you want all of your mounts to walk on water, you can integrate like a little piece that will let you do that. Or if you want all of your mounts to have like other abilities, that's going to be integrated with 8.2. And then more importantly, we're going to get to fly finally, eventually, not immediately. Yeah, the you're, flying thing is You're going to have to unlock it, guys. <laughs> it's it's not dissimilar from how uh the, the flying in Tanan jungle worked in that you have to kind of get reputation with the with the, like a, i think it's the factions in mechagon and nice yeah Tarmite. it's just two new factions and you don't need to get exalted you just need to get revered honestly if you're doing everything that you need to be doing it shouldn't take you any longer than two or three weeks so um people are going to be flying and not only will you be able to fly but you're going to be able to fly in battle for azeroth content on you know colteris and xandalar also on Mechagon and in Nazjatar, you'll be able to fly in both of those places too, which is different, honestly. Um, it's not what they did in Legion at all. Well, the thing is, is we unlocked it when we went back to the Broken Shore and we were able to fly on the Broken Shore. But once we went to Argus, you couldn't fly on Argus. And that's not the case this time around. So I'm kind of happy well, about that. The thing is, is that we don't, we still don't know like what's going after 8.2. Like we don't know what 8.3 is going to be or even if there's going to be an 8.3. The most we know about is 8.2.5. Yeah. And um, the only thing we know about 8.2.5 at the moment is that the um, Gilnean and Goblin updates are going to be going in, correct? Yeah. Worgen and, and Goblins get their graphical update. But which, by the way, if you if you play a Lady Worgen and you've been dissatisfied with her, I think you're going to be happy. Uh, yep. the, the preview we saw looked really good. They they close their mouths now. They they understand that they can close their cheeks. Yeah. So I, I I appreciate that and I'm interested in seeing what the final final product looks oh, yeah. like yeah, cuz I know they do all kinds of little tweaks and modifications up until the very last minute and I I want to see what they look like and I want to see what they look like in motion cuz that that'll really sell it. Like what do they look like when they're talking? What do they look like when they're just looking around? Goblins, when they came out with goblins in Cataclysm, I thought goblins had a really good model cuz when you look at where they were back in vanilla, what we got in Cataclysm looked really great. It the the main reason that they're kind of out of date right now is that when they came out with Pandaria and then later on when they came out with Warlords and they did everybody's model updates, they changed the way the faces work. So there was like a lot more squash and stretch and, and just expression 
um, on these faces and that the goblins didn't get that. The worgen definitely didn't get that. Um, but the goblins didn't really get that either. They had really expressive faces. It just it, it wasn't on the same level. So I'm really glad to see that those guys are going to be getting an update. But that's, again, that's future content. 8.2, we're going to get heritage armor. There's two new sets of heritage armor that are coming out, and one of them is for Torin, one of them is for Gnome, which is only appropriate because... I mean, we're dealing with the war campaign thing and what's going on with Bane on Horde side and on the Alliance side. Mechagon is like Gnome Central, you guys. So it, it makes sense that the Gnomes would be really heavily involved with that. Yeah, if you didn't know, and I didn't know until this came out, there was a secret king of the Gnomes who vanished centuries ago. Yep. And we're going to meet him because this is what happened to him. This is why Gnomes in the main world don't have a king. That's why they have the high tinker. It's because this guy just up and left looking for a mysterious place. And it turns out he found it and we're about to go see it. So that's really interesting. But I, I do think I want, find myself wondering if the reason we, we're going to have flight in Nazjatar and Mechagon is because there's going to be another patch where we don't get flight because we don't really know what's coming. We have no idea how the story concludes past this point. And yeah, a lot my thing is, yet. is this is 8.2, which is like major, major patch. When we got flying in Legion, it was with the Broken Shore patch. And that was with Tomb of Sargeras and everything else. And then after that is when we got Argus. So mm -hmm. I'm yep. assuming that there's going to be at least one more patch one more major patch. I mean, I know we're getting 8.245, but I, I feel like there's going to be at least one more major patch. That does seem to be what that what I'm thinking as well, yeah. Although it makes me wonder if we're going to hear about it at, at BlizzCon. Oh, yeah. I have a feeling that, be... that if they announce it anywhere, that's where they're going to, you know, because this patch will have been out, let's see, if they come out, this patch comes out June 25th, June, July, August, September. So if they had 8.2.5 ready to go, they could put that out in like September, October, and then do an 8.3, like, announce 8.3 and what it's going to be in November because it's early November right it's like the first week of November yeah, first, yeah November 1st I think yeah yeah because it's like right up against Halloween okay yeah they could they could they could theoretically wait until BlizzCon to go ahead and you know drop the mic announce it let us see what there's going to be I feel like 8.3 if there is an 8.3 we're going to be dealing with some super dark stuff and it's going to be really fun. So I'm kind of looking forward like... to that. I don't think that it's going to be like a major, major announcement at BlizzCon because I feel like the major, major announcements, they are leaning towards Diablo and they are leaning towards whatever it is they're doing with Overwatch. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I do I do to say that 8.2.5 is, I mean, 8.2 is huge. It's a big patch. We yeah. we haven't even talked about half of it. I mean, like Heritage Armor you just mentioned, Flight you mentioned, the the two new zones, which are both pretty big zones, and Azatar in particular is really big. Yeah. Um, and there's there's a lot besides that. I mean, there's the the new raid coming in. Uh, it's a full on. I think it's seven or eight boss raid. The you know it's Eternal eight. Palace. Yeah, Eternal Palace is eight. It's an eight boss raid, so it's a full size raid. <laughs> and it has one encounter that's fully underwater, so that should be entertaining. <laughs> Hope you enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, but then there's the Mechagon <laughs> Dungeon. LFR is going to be great for that one. I just can't wait. Anyway, sorry. The, Mech the Mechagon Dungeon, which is two, it's two separate five, it's a two five-player dungeons. It's effectively 
like four bosses and then four more bosses. It breaks up into wings. So it's basically at, a like, mythic yeah. only mega dungeon, kind of like Karazhan when Karazhan came out. I'm assuming that at some point they're going to like split it and you know pull it back to heroic like they did with Karazhan because it, it probably yeah yeah just so that everybody gets a chance to play through it and everything. But yeah, it's a massive massive dungeon. So I mean, there's and you know. In all that, we we still haven't even mentioned there's the benthic armor coming in as the catch-up armor for you to get, you know, your higher-level gear to get you ready for the new raid. Uh, that's coming in, in 8.2. Azerite is getting, it, like, a total revamp. Um, the yeah. heart of Azeroth mm-hmm. system is changing in a pretty significant way, which is pretty cool to me. I think that's going to be pretty cool. There's a ton of new mounts. There's new pets. There's a new pet battle dungeon. Um at Stratholm, which I think will be great. Uh, PvP Season 3 is going to arrive at some point after 8.2 comes out, and that's going to have, I believe, the mount this time around is a basilisk? Yeah? Mm -hmm. I think so, but I I honestly, you know me, I'm not really big on that. We're also getting Heroic Warfronts, which... yeah. It's starting I'm, I'm... with Battle for Stromgard. That's, that's, and I'm on the fence on how I feel about that, but... I'm excited about it, but I don't know how often I'll get to do it because yeah. I don't think my guild really has got that much interest in it. So yeah. they're not, they're not, it's not something you can just queue up for the way Warfronts are. Yeah. I, that's one of the reasons I like Warfronts is you can just queue up and go. We've also um, got two new Island Expeditions that are coming. There's going to be Crestfall and Snow Blossom. Um, so if you like doing Island Expeditions, expeditions there's going to be a couple more added to the rotation um keep things interesting and obviously you know with the new ones in the rotation that's going to mean like new rewards and things like that too um most importantly perhaps most important well okay it's important to me right we're getting the portal to the caverns of time in the new portal rooms finally so that's that's (laughs) something that should have been there from the beginning I missed it. I, I yeah. I'm I'm glad that they're adding that one in because that's actually like that was an important one that I used all the time before the portal room thing. It was hearth to old Dalaran and then go up the tower to go to the caverns of time, and that's how you got to southern southern Kalimdor. Anyway, I'm glad that they're putting that one in there. So that makes me happy. It doesn't. It just just to like you know head things off at the past before people get like too excited or anything it doesn't mean that they're like going to add new caverns of time stuff or anything like that anytime soon it's just they're putting it in there for convenience sake because people were kind of upset when they took that portal out now do i hope that it means that there will be new caverns of time stuff someday yes because i love the caverns of time but yeah that's not what this is Okay, but yeah, and moving on to like one other thing, since we on the thing anyway, the it, you already mentioned that the raid is coming on on uh, July 9th. That's normal and heroic difficulties for Eternal Palace. Um, if you're uh, an LFR or a Mythic Raider, um, Mythic and Raid Finder Wing One um, are going to be coming out on July 16th, and that's uh, I believe Abyssal Commander Savara, Blackwater Behemoth, and the Radiance of Ashara. Yeah. For, then on Ju- for uh, Wing 1, sorry. July July 30th, we're going to have Raid Final Wing 2, which is Lady Ashvane, Orgoza, and the Queen's Court. And then on August 13th, we're going to get Raid Finder Wing 3, which is Zakul and uh, Queen Ashara. So if you're an LFR player, if, if that's how you see raids, you're not going to get to kill Ashara until August 13th. But Boo. she's probably pretty hard anyway, so yeah. it's okay to let people let people have a couple weeks of going in and i don't 
I don't actually know how the encounter ends. I have no idea what happens. To from Shara. everything that I saw from the PTR, as Shara is a very difficult encounter, and I'm kind of interested in seeing what they do with it with LFR because it's going to be a logistical nightmare. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. I'm ready for that. I honestly, like the whole full underwater encounter thing, that's going to be... I just can't wait to see that in LFR because I think that's going to also be just absolutely fantastic seeing people trying to deal with the underwater element. Um, that's one thing about Nazjatar that I think I really appreciate, actually, like as a zone right off the bat. I really liked the idea of being underwater again because I... I'm part of a small coalition. I know it's a small coalition, guys, that really liked Vashir. <laughs> and I thought Vashir was really cool from a visual perspective. And I really liked the fact that if you took away the fact that you were underwater, like if you look at it as pixels on a screen and your character, your character could fly without a mount. That's all swimming is, is you jumping into the air and floating there. Is It's the same thing. It's logistically, it's the same thing. So I thought Vashir was really cool from that perspective. But I also liked the fact that there was something soothing about being underwater and feeling like you were kind of isolated from the rest of the world, which probably says more about me than it does about the game. But, you know, I liked it. Um, but I know a lot of people were worried when we heard, they heard we were going to Nazjatar that we would be doing some kind of an underwater zone because not everybody was as on board with Vashir, and it is a little bit dizzying to navigate because it does have the up and down element as well as, you know, point A, point B. Um, so the fact that the the city is just, it's like in this sunken, it's like a sinkhole, kind of, in the middle of the ocean. So you're surrounded by water, and you see the water, and you get that kind of aesthetic, but you're not underwater. So I kind of like how they solved that issue what do you think uh i didn't like it as much as you did but i wasn't really bothered by it the occasional problem of going to a place and then like trying to figure out okay is it down or is it up yeah it wasn't that big a problem for me you know my problem with with uh with vashir was n never really that and it was much more the fact that the zone didn't know when it was done like the zone got to a natural denouement. Yeah, it it's like yeah, it, <laughs> it's like there were three different endpoints in that zone yeah there's the, the one big natural denouement of the zone is the one where you get to the surface and you send off a flare and you, you hook up with your faction again. And then we go right back down and it's like, wait, this, what, didn't we just accomplish our mission? Didn't we get out and now we can warn the world and this could come up again late? No, it's going to happen right now. Okay. But in terms of what they're doing well, it's with like, Nashitar, Here's the zone end. Now you need to go back in there and do the dungeon unlock. Yeah. And that's, the dungeon that's unlock. That's kind of how it worked. Yeah. Dungeon Unlock really felt like it could have happened before I got back up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but in terms of how they're doing it this time, I like that they're doing the whole weird, you know, what, what gets me is it really does play into what we did we saw in Legion. Yeah. Like, if you remember Azuna in Legion, or if you remember um, the, the Tomb of Sargeras, like when the Naga inside the Tomb of Sargeras, this was all coming for a long time because the, the Tidestone that we, you know, had there is the one that they're using now. The, the, the Naga stole it back, and they're the ones using it. So that's fascinating to me. It, it, it continues that story. We always wondered, what is she up to? Is she allied with the uh, the Legion? Is she 
opposing them? And the answer is neither. She was exploiting them. Um, and that's, we're going to get to see the, what the fallout of her exploitation now. And so, I know that there were people that were wondering, they were like, didn't we use the Tidestone? How did they get it back again? That kind of thing. Um, the thing is, is like, we took the Tidestone and we put it in the Tomb of Sargeras, Temple of Elune, whatever you want to call it. We put it in there, correct? Yeah, we used it as one of the, we used it with the, the pillars after we, we, you know. Yeah, it was all part the... of that raid. And then once we were done with that raid, we left it behind. It was just there. So I'm assuming that the Naga just came in at that point and said, okay, cool, you're done with this. We're going to take it back now. <laughs> and like nobody was there to say anything about it. We really do have a horrible habit of finding incredibly <laughs> powerful magical relics and then just sort of walking off and not really, yeah. you know, hey, hey, there's a magic dagger here that's, you know, I, this one guy has been using, it's possessed by like the spirit of a void lord or something. Nah, I'm just going to, yeah, I'm done. I'm going to throw it in the bank. We'll just leave it here on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not not a smart move on our no. part. But then again, very often we can, we prove we cannot be trusted with objects of magical power. Well, and the thing uh, is, is I'm like, why did we leave it there? Because we knew, I mean, we knew she was after it. That was part of what Azuna was all about, was that she was after it. That was what that well, whole dungeon was about, was she really wanted that thing that we took. So I why did we just leave it there? <laughs> kind of justified in that we 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 originally go right through after Kill Jaden. So... We couldn't immediately take it with us because we were using it to open the portal that we went at, went after Kill Jaden with. And then we That's didn't know true. Illidan was going to make things all so much worse. And then yeah. after Illidan did make things all so much worse, we were probably occupied with that giant hole he ripped in the sky. I was going to and... say, we were probably distracted by, you know, the planet that just showed up. And, you know, by the time we got back in there to, like, collect our, you know, various magical doodads, oh, that one's gone. Oh, jeez. And it's okay. not like, you know, the ghosts that were in there could really do anything about it either. After we killed them? No, not really. Yeah. We just, we knew. We we knew it was there. And the Naga knew that it was there too. And they took it back. <sighs> we're terrible. We're, we're terrible <laughs> at this whole thing. But yeah, that's, so that's that, that dungeon is going to be going off through the months of uh, July and August. And you'll be able to get to the end of it by mid, mid-August, so. That's cool if you're looking to do that. That's that's the release schedule. I um, there's one other thing that happened though that has nothing to do with uh, actually let's talk about the last WoW thing and then we can jump onto that one. Um, it's Burning Crusade time walking. Right yes. Now. So if it's if you have a demon hunter and you didn't do this at the time, you have another chance to get yourself the appearance of the Warglaves of Azanoth because Bur- Black Temple is part of Burning Crusade time walking. The Black Temple Raid, you can do a time-walking version of it, um, which I think is really cool. Uh, I've done it once. I haven't done it recently. I'm, like, I haven't done it this week, obviously. I did it when it first came around, and it's a. I have so much nostalgia about Black Temple because it's one of those raids where I got myself a necklace. If if uh, The character I'm, I'm playing on the stream, so if you're watching us do this live, that character has the necklace in his bags, the one that can teleport to Black Temple whenever he wants. Oh yeah, um, because he earned it. That's that's what we were raiding Black Temple at the time, and I was. I have a character that has that, and it's one of the ways that I get to Outland. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I have a lot of teleportor te- teleportating teleportating teleporting. 
I have a bunch of teleporting doodads and trinkets and various things in my bags and in my bank, and that's one of them. Anyway, you were saying... There it is with all of its shadow resistance glory. Oh, did you find it? Yeah, it's right there. I'm just I'm highlighting it for people who are watching the stream. Okay. Uh, and it, it's it's just one of those like it's a it's a good raid. That's not but that's not the point. The the thing about it is it's such a distinctive raid. This is one of the raids where they really did a good job of making the space feel inhabited. Like you go in there and it does feel like a place where Illidan would be doing whatever the heck he was doing. It does feel like a place where these demons are wandering around. Uh, it's you can feel like wow, this place was once something completely different. It it feels like an actual temple construct. It feels like the temple city that it really was. Um, when, it's you, one of the... when you go from the sewer entrance and the sewer itself feels like exactly that. It feels like a sewer with a bunch of like mad things in it that you have to fight. But once you get out of the sewers and you emerge into the courtyard, it's really striking and it kind of takes your breath away especially like the first time that I, I remember the first time that we did it and we came out of that little tunnel and it opened up on that courtyard and it was nothing but this gigantic like force of fell orcs and dragons and then at one end there was that huge infernal and then there was the temple itself and up in the sky you saw Azeroth which was weird and cool and it was just it was such a visually it was such a good raid Oh, it was such a good raid I loved it. I still love it. Yeah. And then when you go like from when you go from there, you go through the temple in, into the temple proper. You head over to like um, the the spirit of a comma, uh, shade of a comma area, and it just every fight, it's like you you feel like every fight from there on, it's consequent. Like it, you you go there because it is the next logical place to go. Uh, it is the place you need to go to to clear a path or the way to go to like accomplish it, and it's it feels like you are in a place where that happens. Not every raid manages that. Like some raids feel really bizarre. Um, They just feel like, Oh, well we're here because bad stuff is happening. But black temple, it does really feel like this is somebody's seat of power and you're invading it. And it's, I'm, I'm really like, if you get a chance to run it out, do it. It's, it's just such a fun raid. Um, And the fights are interesting and distinctive, but very much of their time. Like Supremus, Tanking Supremus was a pain in my bot. Oh my god, I hated tanking him. Um, that stupid flame thing he does on the ground. Ugh. Playing I, as a melee class doing Supremus was... That was a treat. Yeah, I did not enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> a treat's not quite the word I would have used. But a yeah, treat. Yeah, no, it's okay. Air quotes. Sh- yeah. Shade of a comma made up for it because that one was just like beat the snot out of this thing and we were very very good at that so clear you know clear all those annoying ads okay is he out is he out is he out go (laughs) just everybody's hitting him no tanking no worrying about anything just hit him hit him as hard as you can go 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 yeah uh there's just it's a it's a good raid but more importantly you know if you are a current demon hunter player it's the way to get the warglaves of azanoth appearance uh keep in mind in order yeah keep in mind in order to get those you have to have the Basically, you have to have collected the legendary glaives already on any of your characters. You'll have that feat of strength achievement once you do. And then when you go in and you kill Illidan, if you've done that, you'll get another achievement that will give your demon hunter the warglaives transmog, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and you you do have to already have them. That's true. You have, but they don't have to be on your demon hunter. Uh, if you, as long as you have them on somebody, you, as long as that's the case, your demon hunter can go in there and, and get it done. So. 
I don't know. I, the, the, I think it's worth knowing it's out. Uh, otherwise, it's Burning Crusade time walking, which is always a fun time because, you know, some of those dungeons are still really great and some of them just, are still incredibly horrible. Yeah, I, um, just, I loved everything um, about Black Temple. I loved the sets. I loved the armor. I loved the weapons. I loved that gigantic shield that was just like a refrigerator door with spikes on it every it was good it was a good good raid if you're looking to do the black temple um you can't queue up for it it's not like an lfr type raid where you can queue up for it from anywhere you need to go in there with an actual group if you look at group finder you can usually find people that are getting ready to run it um keep in mind it does take some time to clear um, you're not going to yeah. be able to go in and knock it out in a half an hour. That's just not going to happen. So I would wait until you have a substantial amount of time to actually tackle the thing. And when I say substantial amount of time, I mean a few hours at least. I would say if you can't give yourself at least three hours, you are not. There's no yeah. point to going in. Yeah. And three hours is a, is a fast run. Yeah. I would. It's I would say big, you're looking more at a four to five it's hours. It's a big yeah. raid, you guys. It's just. It's a big raid. <laughs> You know, I will honestly say that I have not in a long time. World of Warcraft has not put out raids this size in a long time. Um, Old War. I think Old War was the next yeah. one that was like that size. Yeah. Even, yeah, Old War was, was a big raid. Old War actually was so big that it had travel speed up things to, yeah. to make it. You could skip some of the distance after you'd done it once. Um, and there was a tram. The tram in Old War is still one of my favorites, but... But Black Temple doesn't really have any of that. There's like one place where you can teleport to and from, and that's basically it. And otherwise, it's just. And that's only if you're friendly with the little squishy guys. So, you know. So, do keep in mind a lot of the time, even if your your group is just destroying everything and is having no difficulty, you're still going to take you a few hours because it is just that big. It's like a 20 minute run between bosses. And you can't mount up in there. Nope. So keep that in mind. <laughs> There's one place you can you can mount up when you first get out of the sewers. Yeah, the courtyard. That's it. <laughs> mount up in the courtyard. And quite frankly, there's enough trash that it's not going to help you. No. Um, but then once you get into the temple proper, it's all running. So, yeah. And you'll be going upstairs and downstairs. And there's like a, there's a big screaming head in the basement. And it's like, there's a lot of crazy stuff in there. So just keep that in mind when you do it. As you keep talking about it, I keep remembering those fights and what those fights were like. Oh, man. Learning the, the, them. Uh, and I keep going, why do I have fond memories of this place? Because <laughs> we accomplished it, I guess. We did. It was, it, it was seriously, it was one of the biggest challenges. It, it, it put it put AQ40 and and molten core and everything from that it just put it all to shame it was a really good raid anyway uh yeah we should probably move on because we're just reminiscing yeah. here yeah uh next story however is nothing to do with world of warcraft um this week um overwatch got a new baptiste short story yes which talks about him and talon and all of that stuff and teased the new skin for him as well uh, uh do you want to talk about this one because I've been talking a lot. I am really actually kind of excited about this. So the story is not by Michael Chu, as expected. It's actually by Alyssa Wong, who's one of their new writers over there on Overwatch. Um, what You Left Behind, it follows Batiste during... Basically, he's been wandering the world. He's been hiding from Talon, and he goes back to Haiti. And Haiti is where he originally was at with his friends like before the whole talent nonsense kind of blew up so he has old friends there that he's helping out at a local medical clinic and while he is there talon finds him again 
and it's a couple of Talon characters that we really aren't familiar with at all and have never really met in large capacity in any kind of way. Um, I thought it was actually pretty interesting because basically what they do is they show up and they strong arm Batiste into helping them out by threatening his friends at the medical clinic and everything else that's going on. Um, and he says, okay, well, I'll help you out, but it doesn't mean that I'm rejoining Talon or anything like that. And at the end, he tries to leave. Um, and I don't want to, like, spoil the end of the short story. But it's a really good short story because it shows, like, two different viewpoints. There's the present day, and I'm present day in air quotes, because it's technically right around recall, which in out here in the real world happened what like several years ago at this point but it's still really recent as far as like overwatch lore is concerned they've given us a lot of backstory over the last several years they've done a really good job of like establishing characters and establishing where characters have come from they haven't really done anything to move that story forward and this year they have started to do so with their other short stories and with their other the other material that's been coming out and this is also kind of moving that forward a little bit because what we see here is that not only um not only is Batiste he's left Talon and at the end of the story he's thinking about going to find Overwatch but we also get the knowledge that um Talon is well aware of the recall and all of the information contained therein, um, which we knew about from the recall short. I mean, Reaper showed up to kind of like try and steal that information from Athena, and we thought he had failed, but I don't think that he failed as much as people think that he failed. There's also an intriguing little teaser at the end of the story involving another character um, whose motives have been kind of in question, and yeah, um... The whole thing was pretty fascinating. I'm looking forward to where this, there's, this is going. A lot of people have been kind of wondering if we are leading up to whatever the storyline is going to be for this Overwatch 2, whatever that happens to be. I'm still kind of leaning on the, I think Overwatch 2 is probably going to handle the Omnic Crisis stuff, but I don't know. People do have some good points. So what do you think? Did You, you read it, right? It was written yeah. really well. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I read it. I thought it was really good. Um, what interests me the most about all of this, though, is how it shows you like the the life of Talon as an organization when you're not dealing with the higher up muckety mucks, when you're not dealing with like Reaper or um, Doomfist or Maximilian or any of those characters. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. This is just Talon agents. It's operatives. It's just the day to day rank and file, and it it makes the the organization more interesting to me one of the things i really hope if we get an overwatch 2 i hope it deals with stuff like vishkar and talon and gives you an idea of what the you know like los muertos what are they like what's it like to be one of them what what is the day-to-day on it that's something i i really would like to see i think i wrote a post i don't know when it'll go live but i wrote a post about what i would like to see in overwatch 2 and one of the things i would like to see is all the bad guys all the you know shady organizations all the you know, questionable groups like the Vishkar comes to my mind every time. Like when I think of a yeah. questionable group, we've known nothing about Vishkar. We know that uh, Symmetra likes them and that Lucio really doesn't. Um, we know that Lucio's dad made Sonic technology that they apparently managed to get the copyright on. They, yeah, and, they kind of hijacked it and took it for themselves. 
and he stole it back to make his his sonic blasters but that's it's their technology we know that they're up to stuff in various parts of the world trying to create something but we don't really know what uh we don't know a lot about vishkar and i'd love to see more about them and i thought this was a good story not because it does, obviously doesn't touch on vishkar at all but because it humanizes talon and the people like you see baptiste the life he had before he joined, like the friends he has that he's trying to go help now. And you get to see, you know, the, the people that he, that he has to deal with that are in talent now and how they operate. And it's, I feel like there's a, like overwatch has been, been doing a lot of fleshing out. Like, I think you said, you, you made the point that they've done a lot of backstory and they've been taking such little steps forward, just little inching steps forward. Like the McCree short. Yeah. Put, took us a little bit forward. Um, and, it's getting to see Brigitte in the Reinhardt short. Then Brigitte became a playable character. So we got to see a little move forward there. Brigitte, but yes. Brigitte, yeah. Uh, so I do want to see more of that. That's one of the things I'd love to see in, in an Overwatch 2. I want to see the world as it moves forward. What happens What happens if Overwatch does recall? Because they're not supposed to. They were, they were abolished. They were, you know, banned. It was like, you know, we don't want you anymore. So if they come together again, they're not the government agents, they're not like a world agency like they were before. They're renegades. They're outside the umbrella that they were once in. What does that make them? So there's there's a lot of interesting stuff here that I, I really do hope they, they do move forward on. And well, okay, that, yeah, that's the other thing I was going to say is bring on the Junker Queen, but that doesn't have anything to do with anything. <laughs> I just, for Overwatch 2, I mean, I could see them moving forward and progressing the story with a game that was more of like that had more PVE and story elements to it rather than Overwatch itself. But the other thing that I'm just kind of dying to see and I would love to see with an Overwatch 2 is I want to see the original days of the Omnic Crisis. I want to see how that all came together. I want to see what caused it. I want to see how everything before the fall happened. I want to see the formation of those original heroes and what's going on with that because I think that a lot of that stuff from back then feeds into what's going on in present day and well, you that's, know that's one of the things that I got you know when they first mentioned this the first thing I thought about was I don't know I know not many people played it but the guys do you know Respawn the Respawn Entertainment company um, vaguely familiar but not ringing huge bells they're the guys behind Apex Legends okay yes they did the Titanfall games and Titanfall one was pure. Um, it was pure multiplayer. You just, you're piloting a big robot and you're fighting and there's like a thin yeah, little you story. You talked about this last week where you were talking about Titanfall versus Titanfall two. Uh, Titanfall two did a campaign and it was a really good campaign. Matthew Mercer does the voice of the main character. Uh, and then the robot is, you know, very, also really well voiced and really interesting. And one of the things that that made me think was, if you're doing a, an Overwatch game that's PvE focused and campaign based, you could start back in the Omnic Crisis, and you could move to the present day when the recall signal comes out. And if if you're playing a character, I mean, I don't know like what you'd be playing in here, but if there's a campaign, you could be playing an Overwatch character who we haven't seen before, maybe Sojourn or someone, someone we haven't necessarily seen a ton of. And you could go back to this is what it was like when they first joined. This yeah. is what it was like during the Omnic Crisis, and keep interest. You could go from there to this is now. This is what you, the decisions you have to make. This is the story you have to experience. Um, and I think it could be done really well. And I think it would be really interesting to have either either a character you make yourself or one that isn't like you don't want necessarily want it to be 
you're playing a soldier 76 or you're playing as Reaper or whatever, because that kind of, those characters are so big they, and they have so much going on and we, they're so hooked into the story that it might be better to have a character where it's less focused on them. And that way you get to observe them. Play an investigative journalist who's trying or to figure something. out what went down. Why is Overwatch doing a recall signal? What, yeah. what is that? You know, there's lots of stuff that you could do with it. And I, I really would like to see if we're going to, you know, one of the things um, when he, when they did the most recent, uh, you know, dev talk, uh, uh, Jeff Kaplan basically said that one of the reasons that they wanted to do the, the short story was because people are crying out for more Overwatch story. And when, when the guy who is effectively, you know, the entire game director is saying this, you know, it's a big deal. You yeah. know, there's lots of, you know, that's something I really feel like the, the, the I, that's why I don't, I feel like calling it Overwatch 2 might be wrong. Like, I don't know if we're going to get a sequel because I don't think it's going to be a sequel. I think it's going to be something else that involves Overwatch, but I don't think it's going to replace Overwatch, the game that we have. Like, I don't think it's going to replace the multiplayer. No, I think it's going to be yeah. like a, kind of like a companion offshoot sort of thing. I don't I don't think it's going to be like a direct sequel. I don't think that they're going to do anything with like the regular Overwatch. I think that the, the regular Overwatch, Overwatch as it is right now, I don't it's not going to change in terms of how it is put together, how it works, how it's played. They've invested way too much into the whole esports side of things and Overwatch League and all of this other stuff to suddenly go, yeah, okay, we're done with this game now and we're going to come out with a sequel. That's just not going to happen. I think what we're looking at here is whatever it is that they're coming out with, it's going to be kind of like like a companion piece like dlc but not you know what i mean no that's that's what i've been thinking too be more akin to if not like a sequel just just a, another game in that setting yeah. like kind of like to a certain degree the way diablo immortal and any future diablo 4 will work they're yeah. two separate games they're both in the same world but they're different games. I hate bringing and up I Diablo think... Immortal because I know that is a hot to button topic with like a lot of people, but it's not it's not like a sequel to Diablo 3 or anything like that. It's just it's in that canon. It's a side game. That's yeah, what it it's is. Essentially between Di it's between Diablo 2 and 3 and it's it fulfills a different function than Diablo does. It allows you to do basically an MMO with your friends on mobile devices. So, yeah, it's there's a lot there's a lot to it. I think that it really could be pretty cool. Um, but I guess that's basically it for our stories. So yeah, we can move on to do some emails. Uh, good enough time to do a couple. Uh, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzard watch. So we know it's for this show and reads them for us. So take it whenever you feel like going in. Okay. Uh, this one is from David on thrall. Who says, hey guys, first off, I want to thank everyone in your team for all the work that's put into these podcasts. I started listening about a year ago, and I've been hooked on each episode since. Thank you. Um, they said, I've been thinking about the Warcraft series a lot, and I want to know your opinion on Warcraft 4 being about some of the loose ends or extra lore for the current timeline. An example would be about like Thrall's retirement in the Grand. How did he get there? What challenges did he face? It gives an opportunity to add new lore to zones that haven't been updated in years without conflicting with the current expansion. Yeah... I don't know. What do you think about that? First off, first off, we have to address the idea of there being a Warcraft 4. I don't know if they would do that. I don't. 
here up front, I don't see there being any particular work on Warcraft 4 for two reasons. One, they're doing Warcraft 3 Reforged. Yeah. Which means that's kind of, as much as that's not a new game, it is a push into the the RTS market. And they didn't do, they did StarCraft 2, and then they did StarCraft Reforged. Doing, a, you know, the, the remake. Doing a, a Warcraft 3 Reforged means to me that they're not looking at doing another RTS anytime soon. Either that or hear me out they are doing a reforged version with updated everything and they're going to go ahead and re-release it both for the people who are fans of the original warcraft 3 because let's face it it was a wildly wildly popular game when it came out back in what was it when did that 2000 2000 yeah okay so it was a wildly popular game back then and you know, they want to make sure that, you know, people can re-experience it with updated stuff. But I also, part of me is kind of wondering if they're putting it out there just to kind of float the idea and see how an RTS is going to do with a newer audience. Because you're looking at an entirely different generation of people out there playing games right now. Yeah, and the thing is, is that StarCraft Two was certainly not a bad game. No. That's not what I'm saying in the slightest. But it didn't really do what Blizzard expected it to do. It didn't achieve the kind of success they expected a sequel to StarCraft to achieve. And it didn't end up being an esports phenomenon the way the original StarCraft was. And it wasn't because Um, the game was bad or anything like that. It was just because I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that the market had shifted. People were playing different types of games. RTS wasn't the big thing anymore. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at like the games that came out of games that evolved out of Warcraft Three, are now wildly popular games that are being played everywhere, like League of Legends and uh, Dota. Those games effectively evolved out of Warcraft Three. Dota is literally originally a mod for Warcraft Three. It was a, a an edited, was, you know. Yeah, it's a competitive game that was based on the RTS games, and that's the style of games, like the MOBA genre. That's the one that was really taking off at that point. I think even when StarCraft Two was out, people were more about playing MOBAs than they were necessarily playing, you know, old school RTS. It yeah, and. It just it had an effect on what yeah. people are interested in. And then, you know, things have shifted since. We've seen, you know, Battle Royale games come and go. We've seen, right now, I think one of the biggest ones is, again, Apex Legends. I was uh, going to say Battle Royale kind of... games come and go. They're still here <laughs> in, like, yeah, a but big way. <laughs> just whichever one is the current hotness. I think right now yes. you'd have to argue it's either it's either Fortnite or Apex Legends. Apex uh, Legends PUBG's is taking off below of those. PUBG was the hotness, then Fortnite came out and took off like mad. Apex Legends is, I think, right up there with Fortnite. It's like gaining popularity in a really substantial kind of way. So the actual, like the Battle Royale genre, people are still super into that. Um, Yeah, and it's just the way things are. You can't necessarily put out the same game in 2019 that you put out in 2000 and have it be successful, even if it is in a beloved franchise. Um, I think to a certain degree, that's why we're not hearing much about a Warcraft four. I don't even think, I don't even think it's necessarily people are worried about it hurting world of Warcraft because I do think Blizzard is more than willing to put out a Warcraft four. If they felt that the market was right and there was an enthusiasm for it. That's why I was saying maybe, maybe this whole Warcraft three reforged thing. Part of it is, you know, love letter to the original fans, but part of it is them kind of, testing the waters and going okay exactly how viable is an rts game going to be if people eat this up and they think it's great maybe we should do a warcraft 4 maybe 
Um, and if nothing else, they would then have the updated art assets to do it with. At that but point, in- though, when we talk about, when we go back to what David was asking here um, about Warcraft 4, it being something that tied up some of the loose ends that didn't necessarily get addressed in World of Warcraft, that's an interesting notion. And I'm not mad at that notion at all. No, but I don't think Blizzard goes into a project saying, okay, what loose ends do we need to tie up? I no. think if they're going to do Warcraft 4, it's going to be about something that excites them. And then if that happens to clean up some new sense, great. But I'm going to just say it. Blizzard is much better at creating these things than they are at solving them. Yeah. And I don't mean that negatively. <laughs> I mean, that's what has my career been over the past decade has been sitting down and writing posts about all this crazy stuff that Blizzard has left loose. They, they, yeah. If you think, if you think of it as a tapestry, they're really not, they, they don't have any problem with like, you know, and they do come back later. They I mean, will drop seen... threads all over the place and come back yeah. to them. Like, you know, three years down the road and everybody will go, Oh man, I didn't see that coming. Only we yeah. did because we're crazy. But yeah. yeah. yeah Battle for <laughs> Azeroth has been that like Battle for Azeroth is very much stuff coming back, stuff getting, you know, picked up again. Um, and so was Legion. Legion was a ton of that. I feel like the place where they're doing that is in world of Warcraft. They're not going to, put out warcraft 4 just to do more of that they've they've got a place where they feel like okay if we feel like picking up a thread great you know here's a cinematic here's a story here's some actual questing here's you know here's the war campaign here's they're they're doing that like you know rathion's goons are on the march doing doing god knows what every time you mention his name i get just a little excited yeah and my point is it's there already. They don't need to put out Warcraft 4 for it. And I think when they do put out Warcraft 4, it's going to be because they had a really good idea. It's something they thought, What do you think oh, would be viable be for that? Uh, there's some stuff that I always go back to, and I'm trying not to go back to it again. Like, you know, the whole, oh, we should go to other worlds. But imagine with, with the old gods and the, the Legion more or less dealt with, imagine what Azeroth, an Azeroth that didn't have any big cosmic menaces to deal with, what would that be like? Can you you can imagine taking the entire Alliance Horde thing and turning it on its ear and really because yeah. that's what Warcraft Three did. It turned it on its ear. It, it said everything you thought about these characters is is different than it actually all is. All of a sudden, they all have to work together. But what if instead, all of a sudden, they weren't? What if like imagine a night elf army ravaging Stormwind, like Ooh. in in prison? You know, you could you could do all sorts of stuff because. The pressures aren't there anymore, and now there's different pressures. The the night elves have grown belligerent now because they've had they've suffered so much and they've lost so much, and now their god their their high priestess is, you know, tapping into the warrior aspect of her god. Now she's not about getting along with people, and there's no move to coexist. Now they're going to conquer. There's and keep in mind, imagine the night elves almost conquered the whole world once. Oh yeah. So it's not like they're weak. It's not like they can't do it. They may be on the ropes right now, but you know it's not a good idea to tick these people off. You could do a lot with this. You could you could play around with the idea of what if orcs and humans actually sat down and thrashed things out. What if they actually not in a position of like we'll be your friends, but seriously just sat down and said, "Look, we've been fighting for how long? It doesn't work. We don't get anywhere. We're you know we're too much alike. We, we, every time you attack us, we attack you back. It just doesn't get anywhere." Maybe let's work something else out. Let's and think then of something Terran else. Zoo just like pokes his head in from around the corner and goes, eh, eh, because he told yeah. us all of this way back. 
Yes. Well, that's like the thing. Like, imagine like you know a Warcraft game that explored that whole world. Like, two. We we know that there's it's a big world that we have. You know, the, the original Warcraft games kept expanding. And what if you if you have a Warcraft four, you might end up on the other side of the planet. You know, you don't you never know. There's lots of stuff you could do. My point's just I don't think they're going to do it just to tie up some loose ends. Not no. that that would be a bad thing. I just feel like that's not. Sometimes these things have to be exciting to you, the creator. And nothing is more exciting than coming up with new stuff. You know, that's just that's just my take on it. Could I logistically see a campaign in which Thrall returns to Outland and the Grand and has to establish a farm and do all of this other stuff to, like, get things going where he's chosen to settle? Yes, I absolutely could see that as an RTS campaign because we saw something like that with the whole founding of Doratar thing. But... Would it be particularly interesting, given the face of everything else that we're experiencing in World of Warcraft right now? Not, not really, not so much. Um, I think that I they were gonna, like, yeah. if they were gonna do anything with like a Warcraft four, if they were gonna do anything with a Warcraft four, they would make sure that it's something that's like super impactful. But the whole problem with that is that you have to balance whatever's going on in there story wise with what's going on in World of Warcraft and make sure that the two don't clash. I guess. For me, anyway. Yeah, I can see ways they could do it. But I, honestly, thing about I don't understand why people are so confused about what Thrall's been doing. He went and made a farm. It's not tremendously yeah. glamorous work. I've I lived on a farm for years. It's just work. You just go out and do it. It doesn't. Maybe he had to go occasionally and like you know chase off some wargs or something. But it wouldn't like. It's not the stuff of epic adventure. It's the stuff of my life on the farm. I. I don't need to see it. I know how that goes. It's, it's chores. Probably had to clean up a whole bunch of cleft of dung. I bet you those guys drop it everywhere. But <laughs> I don't want to watch that in the campaign. Zog, zog, me cleaning dung. No, that's okay. I, I accept that it happened. You don't have to show me. I mean, if that led to a resurgence of something on Outland that we had completely forgotten about back when we were doing Burning Crusade and suddenly there was something dire that really had to be dealt with on Outland, like to fix the world or something. Yeah, okay, I could totally see it going that direction. Like started out with the farm and the cleft hoof dung and then all of a sudden work your way up to, whoa, the planet's going to explode again or whatever. I could I could see like that kind of thing coming out of it, but it's it's one of those things where it's like, would you want to tell that in an RTS like Warcraft 4 or is that something that you'd want to throw together in World of Warcraft? Because those are two very different audiences. People that play the MMO aren't necessarily going to play the RTS and vice versa. So you kind of have to, there's a line that you have to like toe between the two where you can't, I guess you can't let the lore from one influence the lore of the other too much. I feel like if they were going to do Warcraft 4, they would just have to like go back in time and do some more historical stuff. Logically speaking, I don't know. And maybe that's just me. I feel like they could do a lot of different things with Warcraft 4, but I have no idea what they're going to do with it if they ever do decide to do it. Yeah. I don't see much. It could, you know, who knows? This November, they might come on stage and go, Warcraft 4! And I'll be like, ah! You know, but I haven't seen any sign of them going along that way. (laughs) If they did. If they did, yeah. I would would completely freak out. (laughs) Ah! How's he, what's going on? Ah! 
Seriously, it would be amazing, but I okay. have no idea. Let's move on to another email here. This one is from Bell Nora, who says, Greetings, watchers. I was listening to another podcast the other day. <gasps> another podcast, you traitor. No, we're fine with it. Listen to whatever podcast you want to. Uh, and they had a discussion on what sort of behaviors MMOs bring out in players. They thought that MMOs facilitate a greedier sort of mindset as players work to hoard gold, achievements, items, etc. This got me thinking about World of Warcraft and Vanilla. There was definitely a class of player who would help lower levels with gold or items and take their time to explain a concept in chat or run a newbie through a dungeon. It's not something I really see anymore as the game's model has changed over the years. My question to you is twofold. Do you agree that MMOs foster a certain type of greedy behavior in players? And do you think there's a way for Blizzard to encourage more charitable slash generous behaviors by maybe tying those actions to achievements titles and some other reward systems? Regards, Belnora. What do you think? I'm going to talk about this from a different perspective, I think. I think a lot of people who played, who have good memories of, of Vanilla WoW, played in a big guild or played in a guild that was tight-knit and did a lot of stuff together. My World of Warcraft and Vanilla experience ranged around. Like, I was in a big guild that was pushing raid guild first, like, realm first achievements and stuff. Before there were achievements, there were no achievements then. We were doing stuff like, Nefer like you know, Nefarian first. Uh, we, we were one of the first guilds into AQ. We, we killed Cthulhu first on our server. And when I was in that guild, did I see a lot of that kind of behavior? Absolutely. I did see it. But I didn't see it when I left that guild. And I spent several months kind of as a freelancer, just, you know, I got a lot of dungeon runs because everybody knew me because it was a small server. Uh, I think it was Asjul Nerub. Uh, I, I was a tank on Asjul Nerub. And at the time, if you wanted a tank for a dungeon, you would absolutely, you know, I was one of the people you would call. You would like, there were people who had me on their friends list just for that. Plus I had the key to uh, Upper Black Rock Spire, which meant that if they wanted to get into Upper Black Rock Spire, come, come see me. But, did I see like when I would play my alts, I did not see any of that generosity you're talking about because I wasn't in a guild and the people who were doing that kind of thing occasionally would somebody do that kind of thing. Yeah. Occasionally I do that kind of thing. Like I once, I remember being level 60 in full uh, tier two with some tier three pieces. And I just one day helped a guy do a Zulfarak run because he couldn't get anybody. He was sitting in Ironforge for like six hours trying to get a Zulfarak run. And I finally said, All right, invite me. He invited me. I'm like, who, you know, he's like, oh, I was going to tank this. I'm like, yeah, you put on your DPS gear. I'm going to tank it. Let's go. And I think he had one other person with him, wasn't a healer. And we went and stomped Zulfarak because I was in, you know, tier two slash tier three gear. I had a, a, a Thunder Fury. Um, there, was, there was no way anything in Zulfarak was going to touch me. Uh, I was practically unkillable. So did I do it? Yeah. Did other people do it? Yeah. But it wasn't at all common it was absolutely not common and we we tend to idealize those days and we remember all the good times that that we had like oh this great thing happened or i saw this great thing we don't remember all the time spent standing around uh in both ironforge and orgrimmar or later in like you know shatrath trying desperately to get a run to happen yeah like hours and hours of time do MMOs make you selfish? I don't think so. I think that is just player behavior because I, I she hasn't worked, you know, she doesn't work with us right now, but one of my favorite people is Allison Roberts, who oh, uh, yeah. used to write the Druid column for us a long time ago. She wrote a column about players' rationality, and I've never forgotten it. Like, the exact line was players are ruthlessly rational, and they will do whatever helps them achieve whatever their goal is. And that's just 
game players. That's gameplay. That's game theory. And you definitely see it in MMOs, but I don't think it's the same thing as just being selfish. Um, to a certain degree, this is a pastime. This is something you're doing for fun. It's not a job. It's not your life. It's it's a it's a just it's a divertisement. It's a it's it's to pass the time. So I don't think you can really make an MMO that's just going to encourage charity. But I do think you can make one that's more social. And I do think that's where World of Warcraft has gotten away a little bit too much. And that's one of the things I think they've been trying to fix the past couple expansions. I think WoW is definitely trying to bring itself to be more social. I think the uh, group finder and having stuff like time walking a uh, black temple where you can't just pug up for it. You have to actually find a group and get there yourself. I think that's them trying to move the game a little bit back towards being a more social experience because that social experience, stronger guilds, stronger, you know, people that, you know, like having a friends list where you can, people you can play with. I think that is the way to have a game that you're talking about. Uh, I don't know if that really makes a ton of sense, but I, I definitely think it's got to do with the socialization aspect without socialization. An MMO is just a single player game with a lot of people around you. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's what I think that direction would, would entail if that's what you're looking for. I think that it's not necessarily that MMOs foster a greedy type of behavior in players. It's that, and I talked about this a little bit last week too, so I'm not going to go into it too much, but there's a lot of pressure that's put on players, particularly nowadays, that wasn't necessarily there at the onset of World of Warcraft um, in regards to you need to get better gear so that you can go do these things and you need to get your eye level up so you can go do these things and you need to get, you know, that there, there's that pressure of doing more, more, more to get more so that you're more on level with the players around you and the players around you are very quick to judge if your little number isn't high enough for their liking. Yeah, like we those didn't even little, know what eye level was back then. Those little numbers didn't exist in vanilla. And that's not to say that vanilla was a better experience because the thing about vanilla is that you were dealing with a system where everybody was on a server and those servers were basically isolated communities you knew people on your server like you people had reputations on their their servers and those reputations weren't necessarily good like i'm not going to sit here and say that it was like a bundle of roses or whatever i i don't know about you rossi but i remember on my server i don't know how many drama threads were going on the forums on any given day about people <laughs> who had done terrible things right <laughs> there was there was one guild in particular that like went out of their way to start trouble with other guilds yeah and, and, and there were players who went out of their way to troll and they had like this horrible reputation and people would call them out on the forums and stuff. That was like a common thing back in vanilla. And that was a common thing in burning crusade too. Not quite as much, but it was pretty common. Um, when blizzard came out with looking for group, I think that's where I saw this really dynamic shift happen because at some point, no, you know what? I think where it originated was gear score. When people came out with gear score and used gear score to actually like start rating other players about whether or not they were any good or whether their gear was any good. And they used this whole gear score thing to determine whether a player was worthy of being included in a group or whatnot. And honestly, it's got nothing to do with that number. People chose to look at that number and use that number and as like a metric 
because it's easier to look at a number and say this number is good or this number is bad than get to know a person and find out if that person actually knows how to play the class that they've picked up and decided to play. It's a quicker, faster, easier way to do it. And when they came out with looking for group, all of a sudden that whole level of reputation and even that whole level of accountability that kind of built up on these servers that were these isolated little communities, those gates were lifted and people could just group with whoever. There was no accountability whatsoever. Most of the time, whoever it was you were grouping with, you would never see them again. And that gave people the freedom to kind of be big jerks. Yes, there were nice people. I, I I grouped with a lot of nice people back in Wrath, you know, with the group finder. And I've grouped with people that were great people through the group finder. I've also had more than my fair share of people who come in and just start using really terrible language or just like, you know, mass pulling things or that kind of thing. And it's not the same experience. Um, I almost think that by introducing the eye level thing, and by kind of embracing that idea of a gear score without really being a gear score, um, Blizzard's kind of fostered that whole idea of pressure. Because when that pressure is there, I mean, what are you going to do about it? You're going to keep playing. You're going to keep playing so that you can get that number higher, so that you can be better in the eyes of your fellow players. And if you keep playing to get that number better, that means that Blizzard still has a subscriber. So, I don't know. On the one hand, I don't think it's necessarily a greedy thing. I think it's everybody is trying really, really hard to make themselves look really, really good because it's not so much about, I want to get the best of the best. It's, I want to have the best of the best so that that person over there looks at me and says, wow, they look really cool. Yeah, there is there is that certain thing about, the when you mentioned gear score, it made me remember. Mm-hmm. I remember after I'd done like heroic um Siege of Orgrimmar just before they brought in the new system and turned to Mythic. Yeah, I was I was in a guild that was running Mythic uh, Siege of Orgrimmar, heroic Siege of Orgrimmar, and um, I remember somebody asked me like to do a normal Siege of Orgrimmar run, and I was like, well, can I bring my so and so alt? And they were like, no, we were looking for this item level, and and the item level was higher, so far higher than anything that's yeah. actually required to do yeah. the raid. Yeah. It was like, you only want people who can steamroll this, but they don't need it. And that's the problem with gear score as a whole. It's, it keeps, it fosters that idea of you're only as good as you have to be so much better than what's required because you don't want to have to actually play with these people. You don't want to actually have to explain the fights to them. You want them to just know the fights. You don't want to actually tell people, okay, this is how we're going to do this. You want them to just blow through it and not have to worry about it. They don't want to be doing the content as as gameplay. For all the for for all that people complain about LFR as being like easy mode or whatever, a lot of times what I see from people what they're looking for in the group finder as far as you know what they require for groups is it's easy mode. They're looking you, for yeah. the easy mode. <laughs> Are you effectively already a god compared to this? Yeah. Like, I, I remember this really strongly at the end of Warlords when people were trying to put together um, Hellfire Citadel runs. They wanted, like, you don't, you know, don't even apply unless you've got the mount. It's yeah. like, if, I've already, if I've got the mount, why do I need this run? Why would I apply if I've already done it? You, you, what is the point? I've got, you know, 
so you don't have to work any do any work okay well no no thank you and so that's this weird sort of disconnect to me and like i said i don't think it's a matter of like greedy behavior so much as people looking to you know get a good opinion from the players around them more like you know what i mean yeah that's that certainly could be part of it i think it's to a certain degree one of the things that I do miss about server communities, and I'm, I'm not a nostalgic person, you know I'm not, but one of the things I do miss is that idea of you'd know who that person is. Yeah. And they'd know who you were. And you you didn't have to necessarily, it wasn't all immediately snapped together in a, oh, that's what their gear is like. So, but then again, it was too. I mean, God, I remember walking around Orgrimmar, I mean, not, not Orgrimmar, Ironforge. I was walking around Ironforge basically just wearing my gear just because I knew I looked cool. I mean, I used to run circles was... around the Orgrimmar bank. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody did. <laughs> you kill a new raid boss, what do you do? You go to Orgrimmar, you run circles around the bank. And I, remember, loot. Yeah. <laughs> I remember on my Torrin when I started doing serious PvP and I got the High Warlord sword. Oh, man. Um, and I, I remember standing there in my like my various blues and purples from PvP holding that sword and, and people would come up to you and be like, wow, you know, and it was a big deal. And so that is something that's always going to be there. And wanting that is part and parcel of an MMO. It's why transmog sure. is such a big deal. Yeah. You know, it's why transmog took off because you want to make you can... your character look good because everybody yeah. looks at your character. And if your character looks good, they're like, wow, you did a really good thing. And then you feel good. It's a yeah. natural human thing. Like there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying that it's like a bad thing or anything. It's just, Human beings want to be liked and appreciated. Blizzard yeah. has figured out a way to gamify that. Yeah, <laughs> and Blizzard's not the only one. There are other video games out there that do the same dang thing. It's not just it's not just Blizzard doing it. Destiny this. too, guys. Is there is there a way for Blizzard to encourage more charitable, generous behavior? I don't. I mean, if they want to gamify generosity, I think they could probably find a way to do it. But if they did it, would it really be generous? That's that's my big point, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, we're over time. Yes, we are. But that was a really good question, Bale Nora. So hopefully we gave you like some good back and forth. Anyway. And I get to talk about how old I am, so that's always a plus. <laughs> Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ad's free site experience. Thank you very much, Ian. Uh, again, guys, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. If you have a question for this podcast, please email it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch so we know it's for the show. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll be here next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.